Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Meter podcast. We're glad to have you on board, and we hope that you'll enjoy the discussion uh, that the hosts will be engaged in uh, today. So our core focus for today's podcast is financial crime. Um, generally, it's a broad term, so to speak, but we're going to be focusing on issues related to investment fraud, because that's really what we discuss on this podcast. and. Um, also touch a bit on corruption, which has been an endemic issue uh, within Kenya uh, for years on end. So at this juncture, I think I'd just like to put um, one of the Fed chairs, uh, who is well known, that's Alan Greenspan. And um, he once said that um, corruption, embezzlement, fraud, these are all characteristics which exist everywhere. It is regrettably the way human nature functions, whether we like it or not. What successful economies do is keep it to a minimum. No one has ever eliminated any of that stuff. So at this point, maybe I'll just ask the rest of the hosts to do brief introductions. Yes. Um, I think, first of all, this is a topic that, as Abraham has very astutely put it, uh, it's an endemic issue. Uh, your parents had it, you will have it in your lifetime, and your kids will definitely have it in their lifetimes. Um, and also the thing about fraud or financial fraud in general is that it's constantly evolving. So even as regulation tries to catch up with certain methods, common methods of uh, defrauding people or investors, um, there are always new innovative ways coming up and they're, they're very adaptable. So even on the regulation side, it's, it's very essential that the regulators become very proactive in seeking out uh, these kinds of crimes and, and stomping them out uh, before, you know, we get massive losses suffered by members of the public. Uh, that, that's my uh, opening thought on that. Uh, maybe uh, uh, Raikad can also give us his two cents. Hello, everyone. Well, the topic today is, is rich, and I'd like to say that I'm excited to be part of this team where we can discuss about the financial injustices. So. Just as I pointed out at the intro, we'll be talking about uh, financial crime and we'll, we'll look at the Kenyan context, but I think we'll also have to talk about that one famous crisis that um, every single lover of economics and finance needs to talk about. And that's the 208 uh, financial crisis where we know what the banks kind of, so to speak, got away with. But we'll get into detail over that. So um, let's start from this point of, of investment fraud. and. Uh, I think I'd like us to, to first like uh, begin this discussion on the note of, yes, unregulated financial products. I think this is, is such a beautiful topic to delve into. And um, as much as it's beautiful, it's actually something ugly uh, that that uh, corporations uh, do and, and, and uh, offer to the public. So of course, you, we, we know that uh, financial products are regulated uh, in Kenya by the, the Capital Markets Authority. And uh, I believe one or the other, for the listeners on the show and even for the hosts, we've sort of gotten a chance to interact with uh, these uh, uh, instances where such products have been offered to the public. So the latest and which was really trending, and I believe most of you guys probably know about it, was uh, the Cyton High Yield. Was it High Yield Solutions Fund or something of the sort? Yes. That interest rates of close to 30%. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know what they're investing in. I don't know how they're gonna manage to bring back, uh, those kind of returns, but we can start the discussion from that note, um, unregulated financial products and, uh, with the, the, the Cyton high yield solution in focus, because this was a product that was offered to the public. Um, there are those who invested money in it. I remember there was a lady on, was it Twitter who said she put in about two million mm-hmm. and, uh, expected returns and uh, all of a sudden we are realizing that this thing is not even regulated here CMA doesn't know about it so CMA had to take action after this thing has already been offered um, out there and so many unsuspecting Kenyans fall prey to this kind of of schemes Um, we can sort of also touch on Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes you know those uh, uh, meetups in hotels (laughs) where guys bring uh, People who have sort of uh, uh, apparently uh, gotten returns 
from investing in a certain product. And they come and they speak very well, by the way. You know, I only had a hundred bob. Now I have this amount of money and I'm even going to buy a car. It's really in Nini. And they, and they really know how to sell their message. Uh, we can also like get into that, but let's start just from that point of, of course, Cyton, because I think Cyton is a well-known investment company. And yeah. uh, it's sad that, that such companies actually do offer these products uh, to the public. So, Anto, what do, what do you think about the same when it comes to unregulated financial products? Yes. So, I, I think to give a bit of context, there, there are two kinds of markets. There are public markets and there are private markets. Uh, public markets are markets are usually regulated. So, you might find um, a company that wants to raise capital and they decide to issue shares in return for that capital uh, through an IPO. Or you can find also similar company trying to raise money once again uh, to fund the operations, uh, issuing a corporate bond, which is just debt. Um, so that's primarily what public a public a public offer is. A public offer is this company um, agrees to terms set by by the regulators, and one of them is actually disclosing disclosing your your financial statements, and then you know um, having I think. For, for you to get listed, you must have at least three years of uh, audited financial records, and then you be able to issue securities. If you have an IPO as a company, your stock is available to the general public. Um, it means that there's always, uh, the regulator is always there to check on uh, the corporate governance, to check on uh, different practices, to check on the financial reports of, of the companies to ensure that they are, they are keeping a, a certain level of uh, there's a level of truth to their public disclosures and, and ensuring basically that the interests of the investors are, are taken care of. And then on the flip side, private markets, first of all, are primarily unregulated because if you involve yourself in maybe venture capital or private equity, when you're buying, when you're engaging that company that's willing to raise money, it's at your own risk. You There's no intermediary. The capital markets authority is not there to check, oh, this company uh has been doing this and this or their reporting is wrong or a b c and d so for unregulated markets or private markets uh, there's a greater degree of risk so when you enter unregulated financial products it doesn't mean all unregulated financial products are, are illegal or they're risk they're, they're risky they're higher risk than public publicly uh available investment options or regulated financial products but unregulated financial products no matter how reputable the company the risk is greater because there's no third party to take to look after your interest as abu has said about the the site on high yield solutions fund uh it's very essential first of all when you are investing to do your due diligence uh, as an investor um and due diligence the first step of due diligence i believe is understanding risk and reward if someone is telling you they're going to offer you 20, 30, 40% return with little to minimal risk involved, that's a red flag. It's called a, a risk-reward trade-off. So if someone is, is giving you these unrealistic ex expectations of returns, it means that A, it's either they're scamming you, or B, that investment is really, really high risk. So that's the first thing you should always ask yourself as an investor when encountering such things. Because even the the site one investors, if someone who understands that risk reward trade off, he will smell it from a mile away. You'll be like this one, it quacks like a duck. It it moves like a duck. It's probably a duck. It must be a duck, yeah. It must be a duck. So as an investor, when you approach first, the first thing as far as due diligence is concerned, just looking at the risk reward trade off, and if that just that one metric of analysis can can really save you from a lot of uh, uh, potential losses that you could uh, you could encounter that maybe never recover from, and I think uh, the CMA how they have handled the whole issue clearly shows a lack of understanding or one might say a lack of experience in how to handle these things because if if you look if you Google the high the site on high yield solution fund. And then you click on the news part. You know, when you go to Google and then you Google and then you click on news, you will see articles as far back as 2018 of investors complaining about how illiquid the investment is. They can't get their money out. So if 
there is a particular investment product that people have been complaining about years for years and you only address it once it really enters the public domain that shows a lack of uh, initiative on the on the regulator side and it's definitely something that needs to be checked upon um i don't know record if uh, how 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 you're being the whole issue because on my end it's completely absurd and could have easily been avoided so from my end i'd like to say when it comes to fraud i'll say that unregulated markets they're good and bad in the same degree they're bad if you are the losing end well but you don't understand the product that you're getting yourself into so if you if you want to invest in couple like acorns good for you to stay in the regular Good for it there, but it fades in the over-the-counter market the OTC part. So you might find, in a degree, it's somewhere behind the curtains. You can't fully understand what's going on unless you fully understand the business in terms of what what is happening on the ground. Put yourself there in terms of understanding. I can say that as investors, we need to be really realistic. With where we put our money in terms of investments that we expect to gain, whether the market is regulated or not. The one thing you've highlighted is very important. Uh, on the side of Cyton itself, they had an asset and liability mismatch. If you're investing in long term assets, you can't promise people short term cash flows. You can't invest in, in real estate, as I had said, and expect the cash flow to start in maybe seven, ten years. And you tell people we're going to pay you from the get-go because that's disingenuous. You know, sooner or later there's going to be pressure. There are going to be people who want to relieve their funds for one reason or another, and you're going to be caught, you know, holding the bag. Basically, I think the main thing I can pick from all of this, and and it's advice now we can give to the listeners: conduct due diligence. That's simple. We don't even need to look too much into it because um, th- there's maybe a lot of hunger from young and old people alike to make money and at times to make money quickly which again is not quite easy or, or no it takes time to build that eh? it's, it's a very uh, step-by-step process unless of course you're born into wealth so it's a bit easier for you to build it because you already have an existing foundation so so because of that hunger to probably be financially stable that hunger to feel like i have investments and i'm, I'm able to to, to have money for ventures and to have money to at least pay for the things that you want in life. Um, guys don't do their due diligence. As I'm saying, that example of that lady, you put in almost, and I suspect she put all her eggs in one basket and just dropped all her money there in the hope that she's going to get this uh, quick return and she's going to be way richer than she was uh, previously or she's going to have much more than she already had. So, so, the, the the whole the gist of it rather is conducted due diligence as an investor. We've talked about unregulated financial products. Mm-hmm. Um so just on that note of uh investment fraud in our financial markets, I would like us to lay, just take a trip down history lane back to two thousand and eight, um uh, during the global financial crisis and um we have uh, the banks and uh, some of the uh, the securities they were offering uh, to the public in the form of CDOs and uh, what are known as the mortgage-backed uh, uh, securities or assets. Yeah. Um, to our listeners, uh, for those who watched the big shot, for those who watched Margin Call, I think this is going to be a very interesting part of the podcast today uh, because essentially we had products being offered by leading institutions, not only like at the level of the US or in Europe, but but globally, uh, who who offer these things and guys who don't have jobs uh, or are owning like three houses on mortgages, guys who whose wages mm-hmm. could not support um, some some of the houses that that were under their name. So maybe you guys can also now shed more light on on this issue of financial crime and. How it connects to the economy, what it did, because a lot of guys feel like bankers got away with uh, with this thing, and then uh, the Fed had to, of course, print money. I mean, people just feel like it was an entire joke. And uh, out of all of this, actually, the, the most interesting thing is 
if you study the history of, of crypto when Bitcoin came out, Bitcoin coincided with uh, a strong reaction uh, to, to the government because mistrust in how the government handles economics uh, really grew. And, and that's where these um, movements, uh, these libertarians just came out. Uh, there's a certain name, the cypherpunk community, I believe, because I've really studied uh, the history of crypto and they, they came out and they were like, we have to change the system of the world. We have to change how money is controlled. Uh, we can no longer leave it to be uh, just some boardroom decisions, you know, where the, 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 the chair of the Fed sits with a few guys and say, this is the, the interest rate for this month uh, based on statistics and based on what I've got. So um, maybe you guys can get just a bit to that and especially that context of the 2.8 uh, global recession. So, so Anto, good your mm-hmm. thoughts. I think you, you put it very well. Uh, the 2.8 financial crisis, once again, as much as the banks were the main culprits, it was, it was systemic. There were a lot of parties that were complicit in the whole thing because what will happen is Basically, normally, when you get a mortgage, the mortgage lender is the one that takes on the risk. So if it's a bank or just a housing financing company, they're the ones who take on the mortgage risk in case you default, in case you lose your job or any of those things happen. Uh, but in 2008, just in the early 2000s, they figured out they will take all these uh, consumer loans and then they will pile them together and make these securities, uh, creditized debt obligations or CDOs. There are some that will, they will pile mortgage loans and auto loans and all these kinds of uh, consumer loans and they will create these financial securities. And then the same same financial securities, they will, they will sell them off. They will break them into units and they will sell them off to, to other investors. So that was, that, that's what was, what was happening. But before that even came along, what happened was they will take good debt and they, they'll pile it together with bad debt. So they'll take maybe a mortgage lender who's maybe a high-performing lawyer in, in New York. Of course, uh, the credit score is not the same as someone who's uh, maybe defaulted three times in their lifetime, but they'll take good loans and bad loans and they'll just pile them together, create a security, and then they will uh, they'll work in cahoots with all these credit ratings companies and they will give these companies will give very high ratings to this debt. Because most of the investors are actually pension funds and 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 all these collective investment schemes. And those schemes, they trust the word of uh, these credit rating agencies to, to make the investment decisions. So you find all this, you find a CDO and you're like, ah, wait, this uh, rating agency XYZ has given it a triple A or triple B rating. You're like, ah, this is, this is, this is good. Uh, this is investment grade or it meets our investment criteria and you put your money in there. And what you ended up finding is Everyone, it was the market was so hot. Everyone wanted a piece of the cake. You found even insurance companies coming up with, uh, like AIG coming up with credit default swaps. Basically, they are they are investment instruments that are set up in such a way that if that debt defaults, you are insured against the loss. So you'd find even uh, a farm. You find now a farm. Uh, one of these banks that has issued these CDOs, they are taking out a credit default swap against the CDOs. It's almost as if you're betting against the security that you're, you're the one who was issued. There was so much conflict of interest. Everyone was, was, was having a, a ball because people are making their commissions, people are making their money. And this is just one of the examples that happen, of things that happen when the regulators are not very proactive. The market is constantly changing. Whatever part of the market you're not looking at yesterday, today people might be somewhere making money in, in unscrupulous ways. Raikad? Any thoughts on, uh, on on this issue of investment fraud and its connection to economic? So, there's somebody who have borrowed from, to them, they call it in their books and syllabus. To me, it's a liability, to them it's a asset. So, if I default on paying this person, what's the borrowed from? Maybe they also borrowed from somebody else so that they can foot my, my loan. Because, for example, that money is not theirs, for starters. So, whatever they thought it was an asset, actually turns out to be a liability. So, I find that these companies, even as people try to value companies in terms of trading and investments, you find that some things in their books, they look at them as assets today, but they're really not assets. They're actually, liabilities in terms of assets. 
So I'd also like to turn to investors and say that they should really look at what is intrinsic to a company in that in case there are people around them fail, will their product be able to sell enough, whether in an up market or down market, so that it can be able to meet their liabilities as well as continued operations and also of their edge. So you find that it's, it's, it's not really reliable in terms of what they're going to receive, but in terms of what is the price of their product and what's the demand of it. So there's that aspect of the minimum supply of a product. That's where it actually comes in from now coming from a theoretical point of, point of, point of view now into more practical sense. We live in a world whereby people believe that you need, really need to go to school so you can understand these things, but actually you really need to just take a step back and look at things from a more holistic view and try to understand what actually works from point A to point B and what point to point C. Point A and B collapse. Um, I, I want us to just shift gears um, to something else, uh, which uh, sort of still relates to these issues of financial crime. Um, you guys know okay. fears that um, there's a certain notable uh, stock broker or other trader who was involved in a deal uh, related to Kenel Cobilia when uh, Rubis was, was getting to the market. So, it, it, I mean, it got the attention of the media and uh, he was slapped with a fine and um, the issue was strongly linked with uh, insider trading, yeah? And um, guys, uh, of course, getting info on uh, potential happenings within a company so that they, they know how to, uh, to, to, to hedge their bets, so to speak when it comes to trading on the stock market. So maybe I can pick your brains also as I as I contribute to this discussion on, on insider trading when it comes to financial crime. Um, Anto? Wow, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a can of worms. You just handed me a hot potato. Um, <laughs> I'd say insider trading is when in possession of material and public information, when it comes to investment decisions you make, there's there's a method called uh, there's a method called scuttlebutt. You can do your own research as as an analyst, and then you can come up with certain findings that are not necessarily in the public domain, but they are they are unique in the sense that not every market participant has them, and then you can be able to trade off of them. That is different from insider trading. And when, on the issue of Kobila, that was very clear that um, some people, maybe unscrupulous market participants, were able to take advantage of the information. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's, people don't count on being found out because you're doing it, you're like, ah, it's just the four of us. Let's, let's put on this trade. Uh, that's why I think regulation is not just about maybe the Capital Markets Authority or the CBK. Regulation also, there's, there's an aspect of self-regulation. Uh, where you before you have to really be very keen on all your actions in the market and what has motivated them and it's it's unscrupulous, unscrupulous behaviors because when it comes to markets especially public markets there are a lot of people's livelihoods dependent on that and uh, by livelihoods i just don't mean like millionaires or billionaires who put their money in the stock market i mean the average kenyan the farmer uh the teacher all these people do not know that they're exposed to the public markets but they are uh, because all these pensions that they have, what the pension schemes do is they take, they pull all your funds, all your pension scheme contributions, and then they make investments in financial markets. It can be in bonds, uh, it can be in stocks, dividend paying stocks, it can be in corporate debt, but not very common because of the greater risk involved in corporate debt. But public markets represent the livelihoods of a lot of people. And I think uh, it's very essential as market participants that people, people you, we keep at, we keep that in mind when you're making our decisions. Rekad, what, what do you gauge? Or what do you what do you get from all these issues related to insider trading? Would you actually sort of even justify it when when you think about it? Speaking from a more humane part of point of view, say if you give somebody, let's if you give a capitalist insider information, the best thing they'll do is they just profit from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
human nature. Whether we want to argue about it, whether it's good or bad, but if it falls onto your laps, it's just human nature that somebody will just go for it. Yeah. True, true, it's true. I mean, they, they, you can't deny, you can't uh, shy away from such a chance, you know. It's like being just uh, getting a nini on a silver platter, a chance to, to, to make a killing. Yes, I think it's it's like someone sharing with you uh, a fixed match, the outcome to a fixed match. They're telling you this team is going to win. They're going to throw the game. Of course, you'd bet on on the other team to lose. As in, it's, you'll, you'll bet you, your bet will be influenced by that. Uh, but, but that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the listeners, we don't support insider trading. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> that's why our our first opinion was to advocate for self regulation because yeah yeah we don't we don't vouch for that yeah. So I think just based on that, because because now now we've kind of captured two key things related to financial crime and, and investment, and that's uh, uh what's it called unregulated financial products. We haven't really touched on all of them, but uh, that that discussion uh, kind of uh, shed light uh, that these things are out here and uh, people are, are investing in them. In fact, I remember one of the days we had a WhatsApp call and and we were talking about um these circles and some of the land investments, you know, building a greenhouse mm-hmm. uh, and those kind of things. I, I think a lot of Kenyans, we fall prey to that because um, Kenyans do understand the value of land and and, it, and and how it appreciates. So, so many of us fall victim to some of these schemes and uh, you put the money there, they tell you we're going to build a greenhouse in six months, we're going to build a greenhouse in 12 months, expect to start getting profits of between 300 and 500k every season, you know. And then you pay, you don't even get the title deed, uh, you get no documents regarding the land, but you've already given the deposit, you know, which is probably in the hundreds of thousands or millions. So those are some of the, the issues Kenyans are, are kind of facing when it comes to, to investment. And then also now talking about insider trading, although insider trading might not be very well well known eh, amongst, amongst, uh, amongst Kenyans, but for those who are familiar with the NSC, for those who are familiar with stock trading, they do understand that this happens. It happens a lot, and uh, of course, that's a financial crime. I think now maybe the last thing I'll touch on when it comes to investment fraud. Um, we will discuss it at length, but at least just to get an idea of it before we go to corruption is now the issue on, on crypto, um, because there are two like diametrical opposing views about um what crypto is, what what is and what its essence is. So is it a fraudulent investment scheme that one day will just bounce and guys who put their money there will just lose all of it? Or is it actually something genuine? Because, I mean, something like Bitcoin. Bitcoin has risen again uh, over this weekend by the time of this podcast uh, recording. And it, I think it's going now for $63,000, which means one Bitcoin is about 6.3 million Kenyan shillings, 6.4 uh, mm-hmm. uh, But But on the other hand, there's a scam uh, they've been scams rather of crypto. In fact, one of the biggest was called OneCoin, um, which uh, the 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 developer, the, the the lady who started it, she disappeared with four billion worth, <laughs> and and people were told this is the future. So so we we're having these two very opposing views. I I, I know even the CMA has warned Kenyans time and again. Guys don't even know this, but they there the many there are quite a number of Kenyan uh, cryptocurrencies in the market. Huh? Mm-hmm. There's NuroCoin. I don't know if they're still there, but uh, from a few years ago, there are Nurucoin, Oezo coin, uh, Kenny coin. Um, I don't know if there's anyone who has their own. It's a possibility. I don't know if any of you guys has their own cryptocurrency. Maybe you can tell us as, as you give your views. But um, yeah, th- that sort of struggle. And uh, um, there are young people who believe that, that crypto is the way to go forward. Mm-hmm. But the old young people who believe it's not. Then there are also old people who share those same views. So, so it's probably one of the most um, uh, splitting, uh, has splitting uh, uh, innovations, financial innovations of, of like the 21st century because even it, its nature is very uh, confusing. Is it really a currency? Is it money? Is it just a security? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it a commodity? Because some jurisdictions consider it a commodity. It's just a digital asset. So, so at that note, should we invest in crypto? Uh, is it fraudulent or is it not fraudulent? We can start with Balu. I think uh, cryptocurrency is the way to go. 
uh, earlier I had my own views uh, on saying cryptocurrency was a scam. But the way things are changing and the COVID became in cryptocurrency, now, now good investment which people can invest in. People have made a lot of money in crypto. <laughs> I think Anto, Anto already has his doubts. I know Anto is... <laughs> Dude, I honestly don't have any doubts. Uh, I'm all for crypto. I, I'm actually the one who converted Rikard because Rikard was in, this, in the this is a scam kind of thing. Uh, because there, there are those uh, generation uh, defining innovations like that innovation that just goes like represents you coming of age because when crypto was starting you know to enter the mainstream and getting zeitgeist that's around the time you start becoming aware of the world around you and things like that so our lifetimes for any young person right now uh not just bitcoin but just uh, blockchain technology defines our time and i, I never wanted to be that old man who maybe I'm like 80 or 90, and then your kids are asking you about, oh, so crypto came out when you were a kid. What did you do about it? And you're like, well, um, <laughs> I, I, I was not involved in that whole thing. So I never wanted to be that old man who, who missed out on the technology of his lifetime. And that's why I, I've always, I've, I've been buying on my own, little by little. And, and I think, as you said, the crypto space, the decentralized nature of blockchain technology means that regulation might be a bit of a headache. And the, of course, there are projects where the founders end up you know, scamming people. Um, that's why I think when you're looking at something like crypto, maybe or unregulated markets, as we said, they're not all bad. You have to, another way you can really hedge is not have your eggs in one basket. Ensure that you're like, oh, I want crypto exposure. I want my money, you know, put, putting your entire net worth in crypto, but you can have your stocks, you can have your fixed income, or you can have your circle, you can have a money market fund, but always ensure you don't centralize your money. You don't put your money in one basket because even the most secure of investments have been known to go, you know, to go, to go tits up. So it's, there's nothing that is assured to begin with even regulated markets. But as far as maybe circles and, and maybe crypto are concerned, also within those asset classes, ensure you're not exposed to one. You don't put all your money in XYZ coin. Wait, let me not let me not assume because there are very many coins. There's probably a coin called XYZ. <laughs> so don't put also within those asset classes, don't put your your money in one. You can say I'm having some Bitcoin, some Ethereum, some Solana. Solana's been kicking ass lately. Uh, you can have your your money in, diff in in all these different coins to be diversified, so that even if you have maybe one of them, you know, uh, getting you get scammed or something something goes wrong, you your gains are still very much protected because the gains you've made on the likes of maybe Bitcoin and Ethereum have already hedged uh, the losses that you got in that coin that you got scammed at. Uh, it's it's very essential to stay to stay on on your toes. And by the way, this topic of financial crime, we just we've just scratched the surface because it even goes as far as predatory lending. All these micro loans you're seeing people getting. Yeah. You know, let's not mention any company names, but all these <laughs> micro loans, the interest rates are exorbitant. They're out of this world. Yeah. The lenders are making a killing out of you. Like, and this is something you know. It, it's it might be a new phenomenon. Like it has been just come to kenya within the last decade uh, but so, somewhere like the us there's something called payday loans basically payday loans are loans that you type your paycheck you're like let me get this i am I'm, I'm strapped for cash at this moment let me get like a small loan and then i'll be able to you know pay it when i get my paycheck but you find that the the lending terms the fine print you don't notice that everyone is just looking for that quick cash that they forget the terms of the of the of the loan and the interest rates that these things are accruing so you find people are such their their neck keep in debt up to the neck you can't go a month you got debt because uh, your salary first of all immediately gets here it's already you've already paid back a few loans and now you you can't survive on what's left so you have to get more loans you know to finance your your lifestyle and the thing about loans is the interest is always growing so the more you refinance a loan the more you get another loan to pay another loan interest payments keep growing until a point where you find that your check just comes and it's gone and you have not yeah. start from zero so even as a person existing in the world in this capitalist world it's essential that you 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 become very keen uh with the investments and the terms of the different investments you get in 
if you don't understand something seek the advice of, of a financial advisor i know kenya is not like getting advice we think you know everything but that <laughs> that money of spent on an advisor will save you a lot of stress later in life you can go around with with a peace of mind eh? yeah yeah that's true actually like i like that you've touched on, on these digital lenders i i I don't think the law has been passed yet, but BK is supposed to really bring them under regulation because mm-hmm. these guys have been so predatory uh, on Kenyans. I don't know. There, there was a certain report that was released, but uh, there was one that had interest rates of up to thirty percent, eh? and you can see Amshwari and KCB are offering ten point five percent. And I'm thinking, where do these guys get the guts to yeah. actually offer such crazy interest rates? You know, that, mm-hmm. that's actually cruel <laughs> to a certain degree uh, because you're not even helping. Uh, probably grow these businesses. They're not helping these individuals mm-hmm. uh, finance themselves, whether it's for personal reasons or for, for business reasons. You are, you're going to oppress them. You're going to cut them by the legs. So, yeah, yeah it's good you've touched on that, which, of course, now uh, um, touches again on this issue of financial crime. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think we've, we've really like hammered on that throughout the show. And we'll continue to talk about it, even on Twitter, um, a lot of our engagements. Um, we do uh, just advise guys like do your due diligence because it helps to decide. I think we'll have a podcast recording just to really discuss what crypto is and to, to bring out an understanding of, of Bitcoin, why it came out and 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 how you can invest in it, why why some of us think it's the future and also those who have doubts about um, its viability. I think we'll have an episode on that. But just from this discussion, um, I hope our listeners have gotten a bit of an idea of crypto and that that um, understanding that there are actually some crypto scams out here that we have to be careful about because just as Ando has pointed out, crypto is uh, inherently decentralized. So these guys can really you know take off with their cash. Like that they do lost went away with four billion and is nowhere to be found. Those are guys who put cash there mm-hmm. with expect so you have to be careful. But now you have a coin like Bitcoin, um, which of course um, uh, many people and uh, Kenya, Kenya is number four in terms of crypto adoption at the at the moment. I don't know if you saw that report. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was published by which company, but yeah, Kenya is number four in terms of crypto adoption. So there are many Kenyans who have invested in Bitcoin, uh, and I know that places that are also accepting Bitcoin payments. Kiambu guys have really changed that thing. So restaurants already accept Bitcoin payments for food and the likes. So yeah. Um, now maybe we can now uh, switch the conversation a bit. Of course, we're still in the context of financial crime, but this is one issue that we really need to talk about because it affects our politics and it affects our economics. And I know so many Kenyans have different takes on this. And uh, that's why I started this podcast on the point of, of Alan Greenspan, that you cannot eliminate it. You can just keep it at a minimum. Um, and the issue is corruption. So the Pandora paper uh, leaks didn't really indicate that our client 13173 uh, has hidden funds or state uh, resources uh, within uh, some of those bank accounts, but there are rumors that even the foundation of their wealth uh, came from state resources. And uh, again, this has been a constant uh, thorn in the flesh for, for Kenyans. You know, we, we feel like None of our politicians have really built their wealth from anything notable. Um, I, I saw this uh, lady on Citizen, I don't know who her name is, uh, but she was talking about the fact that you know, none of them have created anything innovative uh, that has transformed the world. Okay, it, it's a good point, but it doesn't give the whole story. There, there are more ways to create wealth apart from being an entrepreneur. I mean, Warren Buffett, for example, is just an investor. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, f- from that point of view, and, and this issue of corruption and financial crime. Um, I would like to just pose the same question I posed when it came to um, the issue of uh, the banks uh, into it and how that, that affected the, the economy and the global economy at large and how corruption within Kenya especially is affecting the, con- the economy and it is affecting our politics. So Anto, maybe you can just chip in on that note. Yeah, I think the whole issue of corruption is is an open secret. We have gotten to a point where everyone has surrendered to the opinion that uh, most 
public uh, officials uh, are plundering the, nas- the, the national, uh, you know, uh, kitty on a consistent basis. And this is an open secret. Like I'm certain most people who want to get into government in Kenya, it's not because they want to lead or they want to provide solutions. It's because they understand it's an avenue to to wealth. Uh, you have access to the state coffers. It means you have unlimited wealth. And and that's something we have we have we have almost accepted. Everyone is just they've lifted their hands and like this is a norm. In my opinion of this, it might sound a bit nihilist, uh, which is a contradiction because I'm 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 usually a very I'm a very I try to be rational and optimistic at the same time. First of all, I understand, I'm also of the opinion that corruption is ever present around us, and not just at the very high level of government levels of government. It's it's endemic even in our day to day interactions with the police with each other in government offices. And so this is not something that uh, we can point at politicians and say, this is you, this is you. We're the ones who put them there. Someone is indicted on corruption charges. The next election, we put them back in office. So at the end of the day, as much as this kind of conversation usually ends up demonizing politicians, I have no problem with the politician. At all. The problem I have is with the Kenyans who keep voting for the same people once, once again. So it's, it's upon us as Kenyans to look internally, to look inwards and say, we are tired of this and we'd like to see change. We'd like to see something different. You want accountability. And le- until you get to that point where we have opinions of how we want uh, the government to be run and we express those opinions through the ballot, nothing will ever change. We'll end up back having the same problems over and over again, talking about this every every now and then. Even uh, because you can't expect when the people running the system or people leading the system are corrupt, you don't expect them to bring in any policies that are going to solve the same uh, problem or the same issue they're guilty of. Uh, the Pandora Papers are a nice distraction or the nice reminder that these things are going on. But if you approach the average Kenyan even before that leak, uh, they will still tell you the same thing. They know politicians are uh, politicians are corrupt or a majority of our politicians are corrupt, and they're okay with that. We almost we have we have we have been beaten into submission that corruption is is something normal and it's something that we can we we have ever present around us. Um, so the change at the end of the day, we as Kenyans lies among us. And as as with the Panama Papers, the Pandora Papers have come and they have gone. Kenyans have a very short term memory. We are like we're like goldfish in a in a in a fish pool. You know, I hit you, you go. Around five seconds later, you come back, I hit you again, and then you go, you come back again. Uh, it's, it's essential that these things, as far as they keep happening and there's proof around us, the only way for any change, to any uh, proper change to be made is first of all putting on the right officials in office so that they can implement this change. You can't expect people to self-regulate. The same people who are dirty or they are... Uh, their complicity in all these practices that have created the cesspool that is most of our public uh, service offices. Uh, it's, it's essential that we put the right people in office and we express that through our votes. So as Kenyans, this is an issue that you look inwardly. It's not about the politicians, it's about you. I just want to add on what you, you have mentioned about corruption and say that, um, you know, one of the challenges I think Kenya has when it comes to dealing with corruption is the fact that, let's take Greenspan's view, that corruption cannot be eliminated because it's human nature. The problem we have fundamentally in this country, and I want to speak from that point as a lawyer, is enforcement. Um, how are we enforcing our laws against corruption? Because even when you go to these much more developed democracies, um, uh, these, these criminals involved in corruption, these criminals involved in financial crime, these guys are locked up and, and they're made an example of. And people realize that this thing is, is dangerous because essentially what they should be doing is uh, deterring people from taking part in it. So so we also have a system. Yes, the guys who have been forward in Kenya for corruption matters, yeah? But not for the high-level corruption uh, issues that actually affect maybe the Kenyan taxpayer, that affect issues related to the public coffer. The cases seem to stall. The cases seem to disappear midway. Um, as you say, in Kenyans forget quickly. So even the media does not do proper follow-up of these stories. I remember there was a time uh, the journalist, Victoria Rubadiri, like just did a, a sort of, I don't know how long she did it for, but just revisiting all these scandals that Kenyans have forgotten, you know? And, mm-hmm. and we, 
we need we need to have that. I, I mean, even the journalists, and I hope the journalists who listen to this show that we need to, to keep them accountable because they're the ones who keep us informed about some of these things at times. So they they should be able to to go out there and and really like tell us like this is where this thing is because um it helps us understand this is where these cases are this case has reached. For me, it's just that issue of um criminal enforcement. Of course, I'm not blaming the journalists. <laughs> Um, it's not really their role, um, but um, I, I really wish that um, we could get these these guys involved in these crimes and, and really make an example of them, so that by the time someone is thinking of, I mean, the tender process, inflating it, by the time someone is thinking of creating so many shell companies in order to get some tenders and and and, and make money, I mean, the, I don't know if you've seen like this governor from Migori, some mm-hmm. of the charges. I mean, this guy had like so many companies, and yeah. he's taking so much money from the county government, SG consulting services, reward, and it's just these two shell companies. Luckily, they've been discovered, but again, we don't know if this is a political move because you know Obado is not really uh, he's not like sort of bent the knee to the kingpin in Nyanza. So mm-hmm. if it's politically motivated, then that's why they're pursuing him. But nonetheless, they're still pursuing him, which is good. So, yeah, I, I think uh, we need to just have strong enforcement mechanisms and actually have guilty people charged and, 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 and put in jail for the financial crimes they've committed. So it falls back to, to, first of all, the kind of people we put in office, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, because if you put someone there who's... Uh, upright or very stringent on these things, you can be sure there's going to be stricter enforcement. Because if there's no goodwill from from the very top, believe me, none of these cases are going to be pursued or enforced. Oh, yeah. And we need, first of all, yeah, we need good systems in place. First of all, because if you look at the example you gave, like somewhere in the US, regardless of who's in power at the White House. Uh, you can be sure that the SEC are going to do their part. You can be sure that different regulators are going to play their part and they're going to, to punish all these different crimes. And we need, first of all, to get to a point where the system works by itself the way it is, independent of who is in power or who's who's at the very top of the mountain. Eh? Yeah. Balu? Uh, I was thinking, in Kenya, we are fighting corruption with corruption. <laughs> <laughs> you are fighting corruption, corruption. Someone gets in a big scandal, then all of a sudden he gets out. So, Mbalu, do you think we're inherently like a corrupt people? There's, there's nothing that can be done. I'm a, what's your thought on the way forward? Uh, I think uh, there's something that can be done. Uh, maybe by letting the leaders uh, more moral. Yeah, I mean, argument uh, with him, um, even in terms of that moral aspect, it's, it's important because the issues of integrity and and transparency and openness. Um, again, client 13173, he was expected to give a full account of his wealth, and and, and he did not do that. So it turns out he has offshore accounts. And again, I remember I told you guys when when, when this uh, matter just came out, so discussing it in the WhatsApp group, and I was like, I think. He's just become the unfortunate victim. Uh, but there are many more Kenyan politicians who definitely have these offshore accounts, many more of them. So so let's not be too quick to to just demonize it because the reality is there's a whole group of wealthy guys within Kenya who probably have the same set of practices. And probably they have even uh, embezzled funds and uh, put state resources within those those offshore accounts to begin with. I'm not an advocate for tyranny, but I think uh, a leader who's very proactively seeking these things or these issues and, and solving them is, is the way forward. Uh, because yeah. you might have all the goodwill you want, but at the end of the day, it's about boots on the ground. Someone putting in, putting pressure behind uh, the the people in charge to fight to, to fight this monster. Yeah. 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 And I think most politicians, once they get in power, they're very fearful because you know all the, you know the cronies who supported you to get in that office. If you come against them, they're going to also they're going to take you out of that position. Uh, and that's why I I think I'm not of the opinion, but I think maybe someone like Uhuru is coming to the end of of his term. It's, he can he can easily decide that 
you know, I have no one to impress. I have no allowances to keep here. Yeah? Let me just let me let me let me give a Kenyans a, a W for once, as in a politician <laughs> giving us a W, and just go after all these people and, and ensure by the time he gets out of office, even if you just have five six politicians who are behind bars for corruption, that will set a precedent going forward. Yeah. So um, I, I think um, that really does it for for the corruption issue. As I'm saying, it's also um, a well-known topic and. If you were to discuss it, it would take ages, giving different views. Um, but it does have an impact on the economy, which is quite obvious. Because if money is embezzled, okay, where's the money for development? You know, where's the money for building our infrastructure? Where's the money for our wages? Um, so, so, so the, the, the effects are quite obvious, and we have already felt them as a country. Um, it also creates mistrust from that social level because people feel like they don't trust this government. Um, I mean, every other time uh, our president has left the country, people just think he's just going to take a loan and the money will be stolen. You know, like the, the loan actually would go for the purposes for which it was it was intended um, to begin with. So I don't think I can add anything unless any of the other hosts has something to say. Yes, uh, I think my parting shot is when it comes to financial crime, uh, in whatever form it might come, at the end of the day, it falls back to you as an individual to do your due diligence, ensure you're well informed. And uh, we live in a capitalist society, so no matter what you do for a living, ensure you're very financially savvy so that you can be able to recognize some of these things. Uh, ignorance is definitely not uh, an excuse, especially when it comes to your finances, uh, because uh, your the long your long term um, well being is is highly determined by your financial situation. So ensure you put in time to educate yourself before you get involved with certain things going on around. But any part in short? I agree with John. Uh, I think uh, when uh, when someone approaches you, let's make money quick. Just do and be on research, do your own diligence, and ask around. Awesome. Thanks to all our listeners. Uh, as I said at the beginning, financial crime is quite a broad area because it also matters money laundering, uh, financing of, of, of terrorism, and the likes. But we wanted to just keep the context within investment, keep the context within the market, the context within economics. And of course, uh, geopolitics. So, that juncture, just like to call it a day. Um, you can follow us uh, on social media at the Market Peter Podcast. Uh, please interact with us. You can also feel free to give us any topics that you believe the hosts uh, should discuss. So, thanks, friends, for listening.